When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. And this one is under a lot better terms, I'm sure, for many of you. My name is Joe Biscalia. With me, as always, for these post-game shows is Matt Beauvais. He is the sports director at Channel 7, WKBW. And the Bills going through with their second consecutive uh, pretty statement-worthy Thanksgiving evening victory. They did the same thing in 2019 when they defeated the Dallas Cowboys. I believe that one was 26-15. This one wasn't even close. Uh, they de- they defeated the Saints 31-6. Now, it's worth mentioning that the Saints basically were starting third stringers at a lot of different positions. You look at running back, um, quarterback, their offensive line was effective, affected by injury. They were down their uh, their their best defensive end uh, on the team and Marcus Davenport, who's kind of had an injury thing throughout his career and fans of the Saints are actually kind of fed up with it. But um, all that being said, the Bills needed to go into this game and put together a huge effort against a team that they should have beaten and quite frankly, that they should have dominated. Now, I didn't think that they would come away with a 25-point victory just because of how talented I think a lot of the Saints defense is. But even still, them going through and actually capitalizing on it all and turning around some of their early game errors, it led them to uh, to the spot where they're at. So the Bills are now 7-4. and four. Matt Beauvais, when you think back on this game and you're like, okay, this really stands out to me, what, what would that thing be? I think the first thing is probably the Tredavious White injury, and we'll get to that, of yeah, course. But that's I, that's completely fair. I, I think it's weird. I had the conversation with a couple of our colleagues, and I said, I'm trying to figure out what's the bigger deal, that the Bills had a statement and they really did dominate in every aspect of the game, or if Tredavious White getting injured ultimately you know, basically ruins their chances of trying to do what they're trying to do. And we don't exactly know what's going to happen. You know, his teammates said after the game they're praying for him. There's a lot of people on social media who are trying to speculate of what the injury is. We just don't know yet, and we probably won't know for at least a couple more days. I think Tredavious White is the second most important player on this team, maybe the third most behind Josh and Diggs. He's so important to what they do, and if he is hurt long term, that's really going to hurt them. We'll get to that, though. I think the biggest thing for me, at least specifically with the game, was how good they were offensively in the second half because they were sloppy in the first half and they left a lot of meat on the bone. There were the self-inflicted wounds that we've talked about. They had the turnover problems. Those continued. In the second half, they were exceptional. They looked like the team last year, and it's not like the Saints' defense is bad. So I think that was probably the thing that stood out the most to me with with this game. Yeah, I, I think the... Um... 
I think for the most part, the offense I was fine with. Uh, they were highlighting a lot of the areas that they should have based on what was successful over the past couple of games and really even against the Colts. I actually don't think the offense had that bad of a day against the Colts. They just didn't finish drives and, you know, Josh Allen turned the ball over a couple of times. But for the most part, they were moving the ball. They were finding some success on the ground. Like those are things that you can build on going into another game, even though you effectively got your doors blown off by a team that had a in, an inferior record to you. But no matter what, they they were able to highlight what they could do well. And it, uh, one of the, the biggest factors to me is how much they um, they implemented the pin and pull blocking, uh, especially in the first half. Like that's when Matt Breida was at his most effective, his most impactful because, um, and, and it also, and I believe this is the reason why he was active, not just based on pure production. I know, you know, him being explosive and having that speed element to his game, like that that's, that's a, a solid part as to why. But I also think that Zach Moss's skill set does not necessarily mesh well with what the offensive line does well as run blockers. And if you have two things that are butting heads against each other, like Zach Moss is, he's not a speedy guy. And if, if you have a power-based offensive line, you're trying to run it between the tackles, he's probably good for that. You know, his vision needs to get better, but he's probably going to be able to, to churn out some tougher yards, especially because your offensive lineman can block in that way. That uh, That is not Matt Breida's game. That is not Devin Singletary's game. And it's also not really the game of a lot of the offensive linemen on the roster. Like, the guy that I think about more than anything is Mitch Morse, who uh, is having a really good season this year, and he's not talked about a ton, but... When you have him, who he's kind of undersized for a center. He's not really a power guy. He's more um, finesse, athletic, that sort of thing. And if you're asking him to try and power through a defensive tackle, it's probably going to go poorly because that's just not who he is. But on the flip side, if you utilize the pin and pull system where you're pinning defenders in uh, with some exterior blockers and then you have... Uh, the center loop around and and maybe another player along with him, another lineman along with him loop around in front of the running back that allows your center to play to his strengths. It allows um, the running backs that you have that are able to do that, get into some space and do it. And, and they had a lot of success with that early on in the game. Now the saints figured things out in the second half, which is why we saw a lot more of Devin Singletary in, in the second half. But for the most part, you had, you had that element, working and that's something that they isolated from the Colts game moved it forward um I think I thought the passing offense was mostly good outside of like the the pretty bad interception from uh from Josh Allen his first one so all in all like I don't I don't think I could really complain about what the offense did in totality like yeah did the offensive line struggle in spots sure did Deion Dawkins have one of his worst games of the year Probably have to check the film. Yeah, I'm I'm channeling Sean McDermott. Have to check the film, but the the early returns not exactly promising from from what he did in that game. So, you know, Broadview they were able to move the ball. They overcame some of their deficiencies, 
And Josh Allen, most importantly, was able to help his team rise up past those deficiencies and getting a little running game to go with it. You know, that's... Obviously, fans want a perfect performance from their offense, but, you know, all things considered, going against a pretty good defensive line and a a fairly solid secondary, um, I, I thought they did a nice job. Let's not forget, too, you know, the offensive line. We're going to be critical of them because they did not have a great day, or at least on the surface it looks like they didn't have a great day. But by the time the Bills play their next game, we really could see them with their five best offensive linemen on the field for the first time in a long time with Spencer Brown, we assume, coming off of the COVID list by then. And there's potential that John Feliciano could be activated from IR now that there's a little bit of this extended break that gives the Bills an opportunity to really try and get everybody healthy while we wait and see what happens with Tredavious White. I think the offense was good. I mean, only three balls that Josh Allen threw today hit the ground. He had five passes that he did not complete. Two of those were interceptions. Three of those were incomplete passes. One of them was on that throw in the fourth quarter where they were trying to hit digs kind of on the over the shoulder route I think it was on like third and one or something like that and then there were a couple other ones but I thought he had a very solid day everybody's going to look at the stat line and say oh no two more interceptions one of them was really bad one of them was bad yeah the second the first one, one yeah the first yeah. one was bad the second one I was getting yelled at on social media because there were a lot of people who thought well just throw it to Emmanuel Sanders And in theory, that sounds great. I just don't know what the window looks like. I don't know if they wanted to make that throw, considering there was like 15 seconds on the clock and you're really going to throw a three, four yard pass short of where you need to go and then burn a timeout. Uh, He held onto the ball a little too long. Mm -hmm. The offensive line also didn't do a good enough job. He was trying to make a throw that would have led to a touchdown. In hindsight, get rid of the ball. I'm not going to crucify him on that one, though. The first one was bad. After that, though, in the second half, he was almost perfect in the second half. And the running game was much more effective, like you talked about. They executed another screen pass, which is a huge sign for them moving <laughs> forward. Yeah, I just I think in the second they all, half, they, they also, were really good. They also uh, were completely awful on another screen <laughs> earlier in the game uh it wasn't until late that that they finally popped one and that one was such a slow play like uh Allen was up at the line staring at the entire defense waiting for them to give him a tell and he just um and it was a very slow developing screen too like it it just seemed very deliberate and just kind of moseying on over and the Saints didn't really know what the heck was going on yeah it was it was a weird play but they ended up getting a touchdown on it but yeah I think the last two weeks you know the Colts game and this one I don't think Allen was bad against the Colts last week I don't necessarily like I think he was above average in I'm that so, game. I'm so that, with you I'm so happy yeah, that, that you're saying that. And he, and he and he made a couple of a couple of glaring errors that everyone are, is going to remember and that was kind of the tale of tape but when you go back and, and watch all the different things that he did to help his team put him put them in position and you know make some throws move the ball down the field you know, I I thought I thought his uh his day was a little bit mischaracterized uh, just going back and and really reviewing it like like you, you need to quite honestly and then um 
this one, this game in particular, like everyone's going to remember those two interception plays, but you know, he, he put some ap- throws absolutely on the money uh, in this game, and and he was able to dice up a, a, a good, not a great Saints secondary, a good Saints secondary, because they do have some weaknesses in there. They exploited those weaknesses. That was part of it, too. Like, um, remember how, uh, you know, Bovey and I talk uh, before the games about like things to kind of like keep an eye on. And the one name I, I told you to for who they could attack, who was it? Hold on one second. Adebo, right? <laughs> Paulson Adebo. It was Adebo, are you, right? Are you are you eating during the podcast? Listen, it's <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving. We had a meal that was a C plus. The lovely people in New Orleans did a great job, but I'm trying to catch up here. You caught me off guard with the question. Normally, I let you flush out your thought. I had a piece of teriyaki jerky. Let me live. Yes, it was a Debo. Yes, Paulson, Paulson a Debo. I had to call you out. Um, no, it's okay. <laughs> okay, eating beef jerky in the middle of a podcast episode also, is so hilariously on brand for you. It is out of control. For the listeners here, you know, happy Thanksgiving, first off. But we're going to go off the rails a couple times here because we both have ridiculously early flights. And we yeah. are still doing so many other things. Yeah, so we're going to, I'm going to, so. I'll be extra giggly tonight. Yeah, I mean, off to a fast start on the, on that front. Yeah, you told um, me you but, told me to look out for a Devo. Everybody knows yep. how good Marshawn Lattimore is. The question that I asked you before the game was, who's better, Lattimore or Tre'Davious White? And then we had a conversation about that and how different they mm-hmm. are. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, but Stephon Adebo Diggs. Was, put, yeah. Go ahead. But I was going to say, Adebo is uh, what what we were after there because um, on that one play, I think I think you might have tweeted about like the throw from Allen. But it was the pump fake that because I believe the Saints. I'd have to go back and watch it, but from uh, from how they were kind of positioned, it really looked like that cover two shell defense that we talked a lot about from the Jaguars game. And the one way to beat that defense is you know not deep, but like intermediate, just past the the cornerback. There's like this little zone between right at the at the sideline just beyond the the cornerback which is just a little bit out of reach for the safety and what Allen did he pump faked at Adebo and Adebo froze and that that got uh Diggs open and he was able to uh bring in a, a really nice play and I think that one went for 28 if I'm not mistaken um so yeah that's they have some weaknesses on there, and and Allen was able to exploit them. So yes, did he throw those interceptions? Absolutely, he did. But he also did a ton more, like keep plays alive with his legs, scramble for first downs uh, on third downs when they when they needed him to. And really coming up with some some uh, plays that he probably shouldn't have uh, based on how maybe dead in the water most quarterbacks would have been in in the backfield. So. All in all, I think I think Josh played pretty well. Stefan Diggs put Marshawn yep. Lattimore on skates yep. on that one play. Yep. I remember you said something when it he made the throw. I, I don't exactly remember what you said, but you basically I think because you said you were watching Diggs route that entire play yeah. as it developed. Oh yeah. It's not guardable. I mean, it's impressive. I don't know how you really stop that. So they said going into this game, 
they might need to start forcing the ball to Stefan Diggs more. Nine targets tonight, seven receptions, 74 yards, a touchdown. When you consider Josh threw for, I'll say only with air quotes here, only 260 yards. That's a pretty big chunk of the yards that Allen threw for going towards Diggs, as it should be. He was their best wide receiver tonight. But Gabriel Davis did a lot of nice things in this game also. On that Dawson Knox touchdown, the second touchdown, the one that actually counted, you know, Knox said after the game, we need to talk about Gabriel Davis and the block that he made. And literally, as that play was happening, you said the same thing to me. You're like, look at that block from Gabriel Davis. Something we've talked about on the pod before. He made another big play tonight on that short, what was it? Was it third and one or fourth and one where they faked the rollout and then they hit him over the top? Mm-hmm. I think it was for like 26 yards. It was a nice play. It's not like it was a crazy hard catch. He had another strong catch on the sideline. He's doing nice things. And Cole Beasley was a little bit more involved tonight than I thought he would be and made some big plays for them. How long have I been talking about that they need to get Gabriel Davis more involved? A long time. And I think they must be listening because it seems like that's what's no, ultimately happening. But, but- but here's the thing. His snaps really aren't going up all that much. His routes run are really not going up all that much. It's just he's making plays that that make him seem more involved, even though he isn't really. Like, um, let's see. He had, by my count, uh, 42% of the snaps in this game. Only 28. Uh, and... You know, Diggs had 55 by my account. Sanders had 51. Beasley had 45. So it was right around maybe a little bit higher than his his normal average. But I, I think that needs to go up because when this guy is on the field and they are throwing the ball, good things are happening for, for the Bills. Like his blocking is something that you brought up, which is, you know, perfectly right on. He is their best receiver receiving blocker. And he is nowhere, like no one is anywhere close to being as good of a blocker on this roster right now. I mean, maybe Jake Kumaro, but Kumaro doesn't really give you anything from a passing perspective. So you can't put him out on the field too much. They had him on uh, out there for like five snaps in this game. But when you have a guy like Davis who is starting to come into his own a little bit here, his routes are really good this past, the past month of the season. He is getting himself to a point where he is becoming an impact player. And he had, what was it, two catches for what, 47 yards, I think it was? Um, both were really nice plays. Two catches, 47 a, yards, three targets. Two catches, 47 yards, three targets. Now, keep in mind that he was only on the field for, let's see... 12 passing plays. So if he's getting a target share of 25% on those those 12 routes run, then why is he not seeing the field more? And if you want even another statistic, and I haven't even started writing my my seven observations yet, but this is going to be one of my key ones. On those pass plays that he was on the field where where Allen actually, you know, uh, I guess attempted a pass or you know, got sacked or, or something like that. The Bills averaged 11.5 yards per play when they are passing with Gabriel Davis on the field in that game. That's not like that is that is a huge number. And it's not all what what he's doing, obviously, because he only caught two of those passes. He There was another one that uh, that was targeted to him. 
But I mean, like Emmanuel helped make Emmanuel Sanders better. Uh, Dawson Knox had his 24 yard touchdown on the fourth and two that, that we talked about. Uh, Davis chipped in with his 21 yarder. Cole Beasley had a 14 yard catch with, with Gabriel Davis on the field. I'm not saying that this guy needs to be getting the usage that Emmanuel Sanders is right now. I'm just saying he needs to be on the field more than 50% of the time. And he needs to be getting more routes than 10 to 13 routes a game. Like he has been getting like this guy has been an impact player for weeks now, like there, the the evidence is mounting, and if he's doing all the little things right, and the attention to detail with the blocking, he played. Um, he he uh, didn't play special teams last week, but he because they made Demar Hamlin inactive, he had to go back onto the uh, the punt return unit and did a really nice job there. So you have this guy that's that's coming into his own as a route runner. He's your best blocker. Um, good things happen when, when you're passing and he's on the field and he's, a, he also kind of gi- gives off the, the look of, okay, well, if he's on the field, watch out for a run and then you can pop him with a pass because of how good of a blocker he is. And you can set up screens behind him. It just, it just makes so much sense to me that an ascending player should get more time on the field when your fastball is your passing offense and, and you're, you've got a couple of. 30 plus year old receivers who are getting 68 and 77% of the snaps. I just, I, I'm, I'm not going to get off this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to remove myself from this take anytime soon because Davis should be on the field more. There's no doubt in my mind. He should be on the field at least 55% of snaps. in my. Mind. We've talked about it in the past too. He's a young ascending player who is going to be a big part of this offense for several years down the road. Chances he's going to be their starter next year. That's what it's, I mean. It's, he's not, gonna, it's, it's yeah. not even a question. Yeah. that's So I feel like the more reps that he gets now, the more valuable those ultimately are. So when he is playing that expanded role and you're going to need to lean on him a little bit more then, than you do now, that's going to be a good experience. Maybe it's just a slow play. Maybe they know how important he is to the offense and maybe they're going to just kind of continue to put him on the field in these different situations as the season moves along. I don't think that's what it is. I do think, though, that he needs to be on the field more. I also think this is a little bit of just a transition here, but I'm watching the highlights of the game on SportsCenter as we speak, and they're throwing, they're showing the Dawson Knox touchdown, the second one. Dawson Knox has really emerged as a weapon for this offense, and Josh clearly trusts him. I mean, he set the record for the most touchdowns ever from a Bills tight end with the two touchdowns that he had. He had another one that didn't count. He's he's a nice player. He's an he's a really strong athlete, and he gives them a lot of different versatility on the offense. So I, I think he's another player that we we can't even say that he needs to be on the field more. Didn't last week he have like ninety eight percent of the snaps or something? Yeah, he was he was out there a ton, and that's that's been his normal usage because they don't put Sweeney out there. Like I think I I counted one snap in this uh, in this contest against the Saints uh, that he was uh, he was not on the field, and Sweeney was because Knox needed a break. <laughs> so I mean, he's he's out there constantly, and the only time he comes out of the game, it usually is when they go to four wide receiver. Are they? 
phasing out Emmanuel Sanders a little bit, or is it just kind of circumstantial that he's not getting the targets and maybe the looks that he was earlier in the season? Because they really Uh, were looking for him early, and now it feels like he is their third or fourth option when he's on the field. Well, yeah. I mean, I think part of it is I don't know that he's been getting as much separation lately as he had been early in the season. And I think that's another argument in favor of Gabriel Davis to keep Emmanuel Sanders fresh because they want this guy to be able to help them in the postseason, which they believe and they probably are going to be a part of this year. But you need him at his best. You don't need him to be slowed down because you're giving him so many reps throughout the season. So yeah, I think I think there is a, a certain amount to that. And he hasn't exactly been completely shorthanded the last few weeks too which has been kind that has been kind of surprising so yeah the this this offense i think they would stand to benefit um from obviously dawson knox getting himself going and and returning to the player he was after a one-week reprieve where he dropped a ton of passes last week even though he had uh, a, a, a lot of receptions and um and yeah getting getting the the young guy number 13 more involved and it was good to see the running game at least be somewhat effective today. It's mm-hmm. not like it was, oh my God, it's not like it was Jonathan Taylor, what we saw last week, but Devin Singletary had a couple nice runs. He maybe had his best run of the year. It was like that 15-yarder where he just started trucking people and got down to the five. Um, we both I would looked- argue the 67-yard touchdown was his best run of the year. That was this year, huh? Wow. <laughs> that was week two. Doesn't it seem like forever ago? You know what, though? You're right. However, <laughs> no, I, f- I agree. I agree. He didn't have to do much on that. Didn't one he run. basically just hit a wide open hole and just yep. go to the house there? Like I don't think he did yeah. anything, right? I mean, he ran and he had to <laughs> he had to run it the whole way. <laughs> well, good for him. <laughs> I <laughs> I think his run tonight was very it looked like 2019 Devin Singletary, which this offense has been missing. There was also the one, I think it was like a 10-yard gain or something, and we looked at each other, and that guy had both hands around the ball like he was carrying an infant on a patch of ice and did not want to let anything happen to it. He was protecting it with everything he had, and that's a good sign because he has had the fumble problems. No fumbles tonight from Singletary. No fumbles tonight from Breda. No fumbles tonight from Allen. With the run, I mean, what is this? 15 plus 8 plus 9. So we're talking about 23, 30, 30, yeah, 32 attempts on the ground. That's a lot for you this said, team. You said 15 plus 18 plus 9. No, 15 plus 8 plus 9. Oh, yes. so, th- yeah. 30, so 32, pretty good mental math for 1.30 in the morning. Not a big deal. So, yeah, I mean, that's more. It feels like that's more than they've done in most of the games. Game, yeah. game script yeah. also probably impacts that. They were really, yeah, never, most def- they were really never in doubt with this game. Most definitely did. All right, let's have the Tredavious White conversation because we've talked about the offense enough. Um, you know, the defense obviously dominant. They should have been dominant, and you know we can touch on that a bit more in the awards section. Uh, but I think the the major thing from a defensive side of things is what is going on with Tredavious White. Obviously, and I think I think you uh you hit the nail on the head 
he is one of the most important players on the roster. I would say he ranks only behind Josh Allen, my, myself. And the reason I say that is because, at least with Stefan with Stefan Diggs, you have depth at that position to where you have a starter in Gabriel Davis that can step in and be productive for you. He wouldn't quite be Stefan Diggs, but he is at least a lot closer on, on the Diggs spectrum than what is behind Tredavious White. What is behind Tredavious White is a 2020 seventh round pick in Dane Jackson, who has had a couple of nice, nice plays throughout his time on the field, but he is so hit or miss. And I think teams could really exploit him if uh, if they are if the Bills are going to be without Tredavious White for too long. And, you know, I know a lot of people are fearing that it could be an ACL and, and all this other stuff. It's a knee injury, so that's never good. And they were they were definitely looking at it for a long time. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But if they go into games with Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson as their two starting cornerbacks, that significantly alters the look of their secondary. From the way that they utilize their defense and how they use their safeties, they they can just leave Trey Tredavious alone on the one side and and just say, okay, trust you to do what you need to do, read all your keys, play some hunches. He's so good with all of that stuff, and he's very good at reacting to quick passes in front of him. Even though you know some passes will be completed in front of him, he's usually playing off coverage in those instances, and then he's able to get downhill. And you think he's at fault more than he is because. He immediately reacts negatively because he is the type of guy that wants to make every single pass incomplete. But even if he, even though he had no shot in the world to do it, um, that's that's just who he is and what he's developed into. But I think this will negatively impact how the safety, how free the safeties are uh, able to play and what they've been able to do since he has been with them basically the entire time. They have been ridiculously lucky with injury with Tredavious White in the past. I think maybe he missed a game or two. I think there was a concussion somewhere, um, maybe another ailment here or there, but it has not been a lot that he has been off the field. So to me, when you go from Tredavious White to a late round pick from a year ago, that is so hit or miss that it it should it should scare some people. I it, quite frankly, I'm not saying that Dane Jackson is incapable of performing well. I think there are some moments of brilliance with him, and that's that's the things that they need to wor- help him work through. But there's also the point in time where you have these reps that he just gets flat beat and then he grabs or gets flat beat and then the guys well past him like the one play later in the game where they were kind of trying to figure out whether or not it was defensive holding but was the ball really catchable down the sideline the dude toasted him and and it looked like he got a little grabby but he didn't it's just those are the the high variance plays that you're going to get with a young and inexperienced player like him and Teams are going to throw at him a lot. 
they are going to make sure that he is having one of his good days as opposed to one of his bad days. So it's uh, that's definitely a huge thing here. And, you know, we have to wait and see what's going on with Tredavious White. But that injury and what comes into the starting lineup as opposed to what would for, say, Stefan Diggs is just, it's night and day here. Like, it, it is a legitimate downgrade from from uh, White to Dane Jackson. So, neither of us are doctors. David Chow no. is mm-hmm. a doctor. He's does a lot of stuff on social media. According to his bio, ex-NFL head team doctor for 17 years, orthopedic surgeon. Whenever there's a big injury around the league, he's usually got a video where he's kind of breaking things down. And after this game, Sean McDermott said, quote, we pray that he's back and we'll see where it goes. Now, I tweeted that quote and this David Chow responded to me. He will be back, but unfortunately it won't be until next season. And he has a video detailing why he thinks from the evidence that it is an ACL tear in Tredavious White's left knee. He, you know, he said he hopes that his brain and eyes are a little deceived because of the Thanksgiving meal that he had. But, you know, if there's a guy who would be able to know based off of just watching the play that we saw on TV, he's got a better shot than anybody who's in my mentions or that either of us have. We won't know. And just for a little bit of clarity, the Bills aren't going to be, you know, they're not going to practice or do anything really until next week. We're not going to hear from Sean McDermott until Tuesday. And, you know, if it's not like we find out something ahead of time, we're not going to get an update for at least the weekend. And I know Bills fans are going to be worried, as they should be. I mean, Tredavious White, like you said, I well, said it. We, we won't we won't get an update from the Bills, but there there might be oh, a, somebody, a story yeah. broken about it. Oh, of course. Couple of days. Yeah, I mean, he is that high profile of a player. He is one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and that's why it is so concerning because it's not like you're bringing in Dane Jackson to replace Levi Wallace. You would still, in that sense, be able to probably survive for at least a while because Tredavious White is so dynamic. But I just think about some of the teams that they have to play coming up and what they're hoping is ultimately down the line. But like... In two weeks, you got to play the Bucks. Like, how do you stop the Bucks with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, maybe by then Antonio Brown again, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette? Like, how do you cover? Yeah, outscore them. Yeah, you <laughs> outscore them. That's really all you can do. It's gonna. There is a chance that it could become a real weak link on this team, which is strange mm-hmm. to say. Nobody's gonna doubt the the safeties because Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have been so dynamic for so long. But if you've got two cornerbacks who can get picked on, and that's going to kind of be the new calling card when teams are playing against them. I don't know. He's, he's really good and it doesn't look good Mm -hmm. from at least the first reaction. We shall see. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those that like, it's kind of a, a bittersweet part to this game, I think, for a lot of Bills fans out there because it's like, oh, hey, they they completely dominated the Saints in a game that they should have on a national stage, and you know they pushed away the the Colts the Colts loss, and so I'm sure a lot of people are really happy with that. Like, I was I was telling you, my my brother was texting me throughout throughout the uh, uh, throughout the game today, and my brother does not really watch the NFL, does not really pay attention to it. And, uh, well, the first thing he let off with was, 
hey, heard you're at the game. I'm like, yep, <laughs> yep, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> and, I am. And and the and the second one, the second one was, hey, the Bills look really good. And this was after the Tre'Davious injury, so like, I'm like, oh, how little you know, <laughs> how little you know what's happening uh, within the the depths of Bills Twitter right now. So it, it does take away from from the ultimate result, and it almost. I don't know. It was a weird post-game press conference, was it not? Like, like normally with those things, it's it's got a certain air to it, but always, it it just kind of felt like something. It felt like they there knew. was like a. It feels like there was they, like a cloud over it, it the feels, entire time. It felt like they knew and they didn't want to say it, and their responses made it feel like that. And that's us reading into what they were saying and speculating a little bit because nobody did come out and say like this is what it is. But it just kind of feel like they know it's bad, you know. Though we're praying for him, we hope it's not as serious as it, you know, that all that kind of stuff. If I feel like if it wasn't bad, they would have made that very clear, and that's just the sense that I took from it. It was strange, and well, I think well to play to play devil's advocate. Normally with injuries, Sean will not say a damn word. No, right no, no, he he doesn't, and. That's kind of good or the, bad. Yes, you're right. It it just looks so bad. No, I know, I know. I wasn't even talking about the Tredavious thing. I I was just like, I th- well, it, I it think, just it I just felt like it was it was a little off for for a post game press conference where they just won thirty one to six. I don't know if it's because I'm tired. I don't know if it's no. because maybe they're tired because it's a short week. But like it it just seemed like there was something was amiss there. I, I think what it seemed like was they might have just lost their second or third best player for the year. And they are a team that thinks that they can win a Super Bowl. And they know that the chances of doing that without that guy in the lineup is way, way, way worse. That's just my gauge of the situation. Maybe I'm wrong. I think for, I think Bills fans are certainly hoping that it's only, Maybe an MCL injury. Maybe it's not something mm-hmm. that's going to put him out for the rest of the season. There are different options that are basically on the table right now. It, it's just he's so important to what they do, and they've never we've never really had to see this defense without him. I looked it up. Mm-hmm. He, he's missed three games since he got drafted in 2017. He missed one game in let's see. I have it up right here. He missed one game in 2019. He missed two games in 2020. I, I don't know off the top of my head how they did in those two games. It's just a really interesting position that they find themselves in now, especially with some really tough opponents coming up. I still think mm-hmm. they're going to make the playoffs. I still think that yeah. the defense yeah, is. Absolutely. I, yeah, I still. And look, yeah. and look if, it's a, if it's a legitimately serious injury, there's going to be some veteran cornerbacks that get cut from from crappy teams that that want to go to a winner, and I think that might that might lead to some opportunity there for the Bills because teams players look at them as winners at this point. So, yeah, there there will be veterans that they can go to because you're not getting by with Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, Saran Neal, and Cam Lewis as your corners. You're just not. You need to you need to add something to that, and really rather something substantial. Can, they have they have a little bit of cap room that they could play with. 
that it, it's not necessarily going to be a huge contract or anything to one of these one of these veteran guys that might get released. But at the same time, you have to be aggressive with it. And first, see what's going on with Tre'Davious White. Obviously, first, see how Dane Jackson does and how Levi Wallace does without uh, Tre'Davious White, and then make your take your counterpunch and trying to figure out how you're going to go about your season if it is in fact a, a situation where they have to play without Tredavious White. Can we for, also for can we also add one little other small layer here and it's not super significant but it is interesting because with Marquez Stevenson on the roster now and eventually Spencer Brown and Starla Tulele coming back, I don't know what they're going to do now with I do. The fi- what do you think they're going to do? Because I was going to say, you can't really cut Cam Lewis. Bobby Hart. Okay. Bobby Hart. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a obvious one. I would say Jameel Douglas uh, goes out for um, John Feliciano. And then the other one you can replace by putting Tredavious White on IR. That's a good point. I didn't think of, I didn't think of... I didn't connect because who's but, coming back? Starla Tulele, Spencer Brown, and and uh, John Feliciano potentially. Yes. So yeah, so there's three. There's so three. There's Bobby three. Hart, Jamil Douglas, and uh, and Trey on IR. If it comes to that, that's yeah. That's it. I didn't think of the IR category. Maybe I'm just mm. exhausted. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it it is it is one forty two Eastern. You want moment. you want to hear um, something sickening? I just had to schedule my Uber for six a.m. and I'm just like, ugh, that's so soon. <laughs> Uh, buddy, mine is oh. coming up at like 3 a.m. Oh, Let's... I know. Oh, you, no, you were the, you were the warrior here. You are the, you're the big, this is your, it's a football guy move for you. For me, it's just, I'm just going to be dragging my feet more than I already do around animal kingdom tomorrow morning. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm so, oh, I'm going to be so, uh, so awful at Disney. You're going to Disney, man. Oh, I have no, I don't com- want to hear I, it. I have no complaints. I know you don't. Uh, let's give out some awards. Yeah, please, uh, because that means we're close. Because, yeah, because I need to write. Um, all right, so what uh, what do we start with here? Maybe the negative? Because yeah, everything there was mostly positive. Yeah, there isn't um, a ton of them. Let's start with the uh, Dree Archer Award for the player did not show up at all today. At all today? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it was anybody because I thought most of them were good. I am going to go with Emmanuel Sanders. Three targets, three receptions, 28 yards. One really nice catch on the sideline that was like a 17-yard gain or something like that. But, as I said earlier, just not the usage that I guess we were used to seeing earlier in the season. I'm going to go with Deion Dawkins. That's a good uh, one. I think that, that, was a, that was a pretty bad performance for him. And I'll see if he rescued his day on the film when once... Uh, because uh, I will also be away this weekend um, once once I get back into Buffalo for the week and to see exactly what happened with Deanna. All right, the uh, Vontae Davis Award for the player that did not show up in the second half. Who you got? I don't have one. <laughs> I, I genuinely am looking up. Think. I'm looking up and down the roster. It would have been Matt Breida until he scored a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. But he had the touchdown because he had very, very limited usage yes. in the second half. I don't know. I don't really think there yeah. is anybody. I mean, unless you can come up with something ridiculous. Um, I'll go with Trevor Simeon. <laughs> Did he show up for the first half? <laughs> Did I miss? Uh, he uh, he was he was there. 
I'm going to say... I don't know if he was oh, I've, there I've, in the second half. I've got one. This could also have been the first one. Taysom Hill. What the hell is that? I know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Pay the guy all this money to do nothing? Uh, it might be injury-induced. Uh, there there was kind of some unknown to that uh, through the through a short week. But, but yeah, it, it seemed like they would have definitely benefited from having him available. But maybe they just didn't want to risk it. Uh, with such a short window uh, afterwards. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise for good reasons. Devin Singletary. I thought he had a pretty nice day today. I thought, like I mentioned earlier, he looked more like the 2019 version of himself, and that's a good sign moving forward because they do need some semblance of a run game. I think that... A lot of Bills fans are going to be talking about Matt Breda, and rightfully so. He's made a couple nice plays. On the ground today, he wasn't as effective as Singletary was, in my opinion, and I think that it's kind of a nice compliment for each other, especially with Breda being a threat in the passing game. Yeah, do you love how they, they're not doing straight-on runs anymore? <laughs> like it's just They just they just do not. It's not their strength, and they're finally getting to it. Well, I mean, they, I'm sure they mix it in every once and again, but no. I mean, their running backs don't do it well, at least the top two that they had today. And then, of course, their offensive line isn't exactly uh, great at uh, pushing defenders down the field. So, yeah, I'm with you. Devin Singletary is pretty good. I'm going to go with Mario Addison. Um, Ooh, had that's a good one. The, uh, had the sack in the first half. Um, definitely making up for a pretty bad first half against the Colts where he took a really tough penalty um, and a really dirty penalty, if we're being honest, uh, against the Colts. And then, and then also having Carson Wentz in his grasp and then letting Wentz get away to scramble on a third down for an 18-yard gain. For a first down, yeah, yeah. So this was a this was a, a nice little bounce back for Mario Addison, and uh, he uh, he's he's a very entertaining guy. Uh, oh, in he post-game is. Press conferences. My so, favorite. Uh, I, I appreciated having him there. My favorite quote from Mario Addison this evening, and I am going to. I don't remember the exact context of it. Oh, he was talking about how last week they got smoked and this week they bounced back. And his quote was, I've kicked a lot of people's asses and I've had my ass kicked too. Great job, yep. Mario. Yep. He just knows how to soundbite that Mario Addison. Uh, yes. All right. How about the, uh, the gotta watch the tape award? I was going to go with Deion Dawkins here because you still can. I, I'm I'm going to. I'm just saying you already picked him for something else. I feel like okay. I said I thought to myself multiple times, wow, it looks like Dion got just smoked on that play. And sometimes there's misassignments. There was that one play where whoever it was went out super wide and I asked you, did Dawkins just get beat again? And you said no, it was just a really scheme it was a play that was schemed up really well. So sometimes that kind of stuff happens. I think he struggled. You think he struggles. I want mm-hmm. struggled. I want to see how bad he actually did struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I'm with you there. I've got a serious one and a not serious one. Which one do you want first? I want serious first because not serious okay. is more fun. My serious one is uh, Marcus Stevenson. Got to watch the tape to see how he did on those uh, kick and punt returns and whether or not he was using his vision well. Um, how how fast he was, how sure-handed he was, everything like that, and certainly what the heck happened 
on the botched punt return opportunity. So we'll see there. And the not so serious one is gotta watch the tape on Ed Oliver because he was awesome. That that dude was ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's something about something about uh, playing close to home for that guy. <laughs> he just he he uh, he really brings it um, in those in those games, or, or even going against teams that are from where he he's from. Yeah, because he had a really great game against the Texans too, if I recall. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, he, he yeah, all- yeah. Oliver Oliver's emergence for making flash plays because he's always been good, and I've you know I've had to kind of stick up for him a little. And it's not really sticking up for him; it's just me seeing how he's playing and then saying, "Hey, actually, this is this is what's happening." You- but because he wasn't making the flash plays, it's like, well, okay, can't can't really. Can't really too make make too much of an impact there, but he is putting those together now. In addition with all the other stuff that he did before this one, and so the emergence is here, and he's becoming an impact player. And the Bills are all the better for it. So yeah, Ed Oliver, love that. I think that well, my favorite thing that Ed Oliver said today was he had to buy forty tickets, so he was basically playing for free. And then if he wouldn't have had a good game, it would have just been a waste of money. Which the logic checks out. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Um, and finally, the Blaine Gabber Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. What do you have? I am going to go with... This is a tough one because everybody played pretty well. I'm going to go with Josh Allen, and it's because he was so much better in the second half, and I didn't even think he was that bad in the first half, but... They were almost seamless in the second half, and he led the way. I mean, they had, what was it, 21 points in the second half, and they would have had more, but the MVP got into the game. So I'm going to go with Josh Allen. Mm. Mm. The MVP. Didn't throw a pick, that MVP, this time around. Oh, he's saving those. (laughs) (laughs) He sure is. Um, My Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance is again – Going to be Matthew Fairburn. Want to know why? Yes. Because it has been over three months since Mr. Fairburn has been on the Buffalo beat. But he's... He has persevered through it. And the next time that we will talk to everyone, Matthew Fairburn will be... Will make his uh, dramatic comeback to the airwaves. Or just to your phone. And through your speakers or AirPods or earbuds or whatever. So yeah, it's not a serious one. I don't think anyone really had to do much persevering in the in this game. But uh, but yeah, I because it was just kind of a laugher right right from the start. It was. But it's gonna be it's it's gonna be good to have have uh, Matt Fairburn back on and and uh, hear how things are going in New England because things are apparently going pretty well over there. No kidding. It's going to be, it's weird. We did not think at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season that when we, you know, had him come back to Buffalo, it was going to be a game for first place in the division, but things turn pretty quick. Do they ever? And that game is going to be a fun one, depending on what happens with the Patriots this weekend. I think they're playing the Titans. It's also a game that you can watch on 7ABC. 
Oh, look at you <laughs> with the plug right right at the end. Yep. All right, Matt Bovee, besides your, your shameless plugs, do you have uh, any fond words of farewell for our listeners? Sorry about the teriyaki bite, but it had to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I took down an entire bag much more discreetly after you caught me. <laughs> Sorry about the teriyaki. Is <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the teriyaki bite, I believe it was. Uh, all-timer right there from, from Mr. Bove. I don't have anything like that. Um, but, uh, but yes, the Bills won this one by a score of 31-6. to They're 7-4 and four on the season. And they, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much just crushed. Actually, you know what? I might have misspoken. Mr. Fairburn will not be on the next episode. It will be on the one after that because there's there's a there's a one in between that that I'm doing um, just just to kind of fill the gap of the weekend and everything like that. So that'll be up early uh, next week, and then for the normal preview edition, that's when Matt Fairburn will will be joining the show, and uh, we'll hear those melodic tones. <laughs> check your <laughs> check of, your phone of, real quick. Of Mister Fair, uh oh, what happened? And Bove just sent me an empty bag of uh, <laughs> beef teri- beef jerky teriyaki. Okay. <laughs> just wanted you to have that. Oh, thank you so much. That actually, I don't know why I'm reminded of this. I'm reminded of the time that Fairburn and I called your room at 3 a.m. <laughs> and you didn't answer. And we were very concerned <laughs> because you had to be up. I don't know why we did that. No, you did. I'm you, sorry. No, you did it because I said I was going to get a wake up call, and you said, "Oh, that's right." That that's there's, right. well, Fairburn said that only like elderly people get wake up calls. That's right. And then, deep cuts. Yes, and then he tested the idea of a wake up call actually working by calling me live <laughs> on the podcast at three in the morning, and I slept right through it. Uh, that's re- a. That's a. That's a deep cut reference for for people that have been listening to us for a long time. <laughs> that was in Chicago for a preseason game. Wow! So, so to have wow. somebody was it ever? Yeah, to have somebody call your room at three a.m. Is that the McCarran game? Yes, it was. Had to be. Had yeah, to be. There was no was. other way. Yep, it was. <sighs> well then, fond memories. Yep. All right, Mister Bove, have fun at Disney. I will do my best. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for this. Uh, go round. If you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. Right now, we are offering our best deal of the year. It is $1 per month for 12 months for new subscribers. Seriously, it's not going to get better than that. So if you want, if you've been on the fence about subscribing and or you want to get it as a gift for somebody, do that right now. Theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. $1 per month for 12 months. I would do it like that. Okay, so for Matt Beauvais, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this post-Thanksgiving episode of The Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you when the, uh, the next week starts, and we'll see how things approach for the Bills heading into a crucial game against the Patriots. Talk to you then.